You're listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Welcome, everyone, to The Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson II, your host. And on the line, we have the fabulous, the legend, Mr. Aubrey A.G., founder of many things. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, you all. So hold tight, hold your seats, and let's get to it. So, Aubrey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Donald. Thank you for uh, having me. Oh, no, the pleasure is mine, man. Thank you for b- being on board. Thanks for being on the Doers Network, man. So let's get started by s- asking the question, who is Aubrey A.G.? Where's your background at and where you from? Right. So I, I come from a uh, planet for Krypton. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I am a comic nerd, though. So, yes, I wish I was from a planet called uh, Krypton. Right. Uh, but uh, I am from Detroit, born and raised. Uh, I still live in the same house I grew up in. Um, <clears throat> my dad's family was from St. Louis. They moved up here in, the ni- in 1920. Um, and uh, he became an architect. He was one of the first black architects in Michigan. And uh, my mom was this little white woman that came from the uh, from the west side of uh, of uh, Michigan. Okay. Uh, from, a, yeah, from like a country town. So, what time did she, she come probably, from? Uh, Sturgis. Sturgis. She was she was short, and her last name was large, and her personality was large, and she was scrappy, and she didn't take anything right. from anybody. And she she moved in the hood when she was eighteen because she wanted to be a nurse and live in the city, and she never really she never really left Detroit, even though she she lived someplace else during the summertime uh, when she was older. Okay. Uh, her twilight, but uh, she's she's been a part of the Detroit community for the last you know for the last seventy years or eight or sixty years. Uh, so, such a bless, such a blessing, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's my that's my background. I got siblings. Um, uh, we were a household of parents that were educated, and therefore we always knew or thought they would get you know degrees because that's just what you do. Right. And your parents are talked about my mom got an educational she got a, her bachelor's, her master's and her educational doctorate in front of me. My dad was way older older than me. He could have grandfather could have been my grandfather age wise. He uh <clears throat> he was this well respected architect and just a ton of people adored him and owe him a lot. He helped a lot of people start yeah and being professional. So and in the architectural world, so we were really. I didn't realize this. This that word privilege was because we weren't always. We didn't always have money because um, my dad's business was small, and at times he was not making a whole lot of money. Depending on the on the um, on the economy, and when the economy's down, an architect does not make money. Yeah. And at, I know at the same time for a few years, like five, six years, maybe more than that, my mom was laid off, mm-hmm. and she went back to school. So for a while, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but. I what I realize now is that we were always privileged because of of their their aspirations, um, their culture that they had, that they accumulated, their education. They always they always like surrounded us with like just really amazing, powerful people. Yeah. So yeah. So I was fortunate. I was I was, I was privileged. Um and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, maybe not in the sense of money, but you know, with uh, with people that were a- aspirational and had made 
know, it had big names in yeah. some arena. Yeah. Well, the so. thing is, man, you're blessed with a great family and, uh, you know, send condolences, but, you know, they're never gone. They're always in your memory, and, and they produce yep. a, f- a fine man, fine man, Mr. Arby, you know. So it's just glad to know you, man. I'm glad you're part of the family, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, so what's so, so what's on the radar lately, man? You've been doing so many different things. You uh, left Wayne State re- Wayne State re- University recently, and now you have your own yeah. ventures. What, what what are you into? So yeah, actually, I've had the ventures for a while. Uh, my business consulting company is Anti Gravity. Uh, you go to antigravitydetroit.com and you'll see it. Um, uh, what we do is we help people grow their sales and their capacity uh, while the sales grow. So that they can sustain growth and and uh, and just build out and 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 make the money that they should, right? I've seen so many people, uh, especially black folks, that have all these skill sets and and um, and undercharged, undercharged just so they can get the business. Yeah. And so my my goal with anti gravity is not exclusive to this, but this is a big part of our mission is to help the little guys, especially black folks get uh you know position themselves to get with people that value what they have to offer so they can make the money and grow the business the way they should yeah and that's a hard thing because a lot of people don't value uh black folks in business um and then on the flip side black folks a lot of times want to have white validation and they'll do things they'll take shortcuts and not charge what they should or or just really try to please uh, people that don't really value them because wow. they think they'll, they'll, you know, that they'll end up with um, with some kind of a big payout. Yeah, that that's so, an interesting yeah. concept, man. So, so walk me through the whole process. Let's say, for example, if someone has, I don't know, maybe barbershop, beauty salon, whatever, and let's say they're undercharging for this service. Or let let's, let's strike strike that. Let's say that they have yeah. a consulting business and they don't know yeah. what to charge per hour or per or flat fee. Um, how do, how do you determine what's the rate that they should charge? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, Google is a wonderful thing, right? Yeah. Um, you can, you can, um, you can research, you know, uh, the market rate for business consultants. Okay. Right. So, so that, so that, so that, so the average, um, the average salary and the and the and the range of salary from low to high is like public information. Yeah. So, so that's a good starting point, right? And then you got to break down the customers they already have and see whether where they could possibly start to charge more. And then it might be, and then with any business, no matter who is the owner, you a lot of times you do have to kind of undercharge. To get yeah. going, yeah. But you gotta, we gotta have a strategy to grow. Like a lot of times, I tell people is that, you know, when you get your first adopters, you you, you treat them special because they're your first, they first people that believe in you. Right. And so what you do is you say, you let everybody know that, yeah, they're my first adopters. I gave them a discount. Right. My usual, my mark, my usual rate is such and such. Right. And so, uh, for those that are their first adopters, you you know, you may want to keep them at that that discounted rate. Um, you may have to tell them over time, but you will have to increase. If you want to stay in business, if they like you, they'll keep you. But the new people, <clears throat> once you kind of get past those first adopters, you say, "Look, I, you know, I, I, you know, this is the market rate. We're competitive. 
Right. And it's, it's up to you to see if you really need our services or not. Don't go with somebody that doesn't want you. Right. You know, the veil value is people, they look down upon you and they're just trying to, you know, get blood out of, uh, out of rocks from you. Then, yeah. then you got, you got to walk away and it's tough because you walk away with some money that way. Right. But you know, like, like, um, there's so many uh, there's so many black folks that have businesses that do pretty well, right? But they kill themselves just to do pretty well when their competitors are doing maybe ten times the amount in sales. Yeah, and they don't they don't nearly put as much energy into it as as uh, you know folks folks of color that do. Yeah, do do you find yeah. that a lot of your clients maybe don't know how to scale? Like you say, have a sliding scale fee structure, or do they just kind of? you know, just keep undercutting and then don't think about it or, or, or things like that? Yeah, they can't undercut and don't think about it a lot of times. Okay. There's not always the case, but that's that's probably the most common I've seen. But you got to do model. You got you to you see where you would actually make money. Yeah. And, and, and you can make sure that you won't, you won't uh, hurt yourself. Sure, sure. So. And in terms of um, all the, what are all the services you provide with Anti-Gravity Detroit? So, so I mean, it, it's total business consulting. It's holistic. Okay. We actually, uh, we actually look at your numbers. You look at uh, your customers you have currently. We sit down and try to understand uh, your strengths and, and weaknesses, and then we understand. We're trying to understand where you want to grow, and then we lay out uh, a strategy to to grow in that area. And that, that's listing customers that um, that you have been dreaming of connecting with. If it's not individual, if it's not individual businesses. It's a description of it's like a, a description of a type of business, sure. Um, and so we we work, you know, to to help individuals build uh, build that out, like list it out and see. Oh, I can actually, you know, I you know I have these kind of customers. I know there's at least a thousand more of those in the city, and so I should really go for for those. Yeah. So that's great. But really, but here's, here's the thing: it's not just us. Like figuring out the strategy with them, it's us actually doing the work with them as well. Right. So it's commitment on our end. Okay. That's, yeah. That sounds wonderful. Fantastic, man. I applaud you for that effort because it's it's sorely needed. Well and well well needed, man. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Train X. What is Train X? So Train X um, was born out of a necessity, something that myself, Mac Hendricks, and Jessica Vaughn, my partners, saw many years ago and, and got up close and personal uh, in, in the last two years. So both both Mac and Jessica are uh, African-American like myself, and uh, they uh, they volunteer for programs I used to run out of Wayne State that had to do with, uh, with technology and coding. So I used to run hackathons, uh, 24-hour hackathons, 36-hour hackathons, so that my students and the community could be immersed in technology. Okay. And so, so what happened? What we saw was um, people of, of color that would compete, and uh, in some cases they weren't given a fair shake by some of the judges. We fixed that over time. We saw we, we started running workshops outside the hackathon, like on a weekly basis, and we saw and we knew about this, we talked about this all the time, but we saw in tangible numbers in front of us where people were actually at. Um, at a boot camp once it was like eight African Americans were at a boot camp okay. near Detroit to learn coding and they had like two white folks and two Asians and all, all those all, uh, all twelve of those people came to our 
our, our, our hacker workshops. So we get to see them code. And we saw them all struggle. They, uh, some were strong, some were, weren't as strong. But um, the two Asian and two white folks got jobs when their boot camp was over because they, they were continuing some of our workshops. And like one out of the eight black people got a job. So we were, so Mac and Jessica and I were like really fed up. And we said, let's do workshops <clears throat> to get people involved yeah. in technology. But let's find people of color that um, really love technology and then invite them to our artificial intelligence training. And that was Mac's idea. We, we wanted to create um, a tech training program. And Mac said, let's do artificial intelligence because that's the highest form of technology that's out there right now. That and AR and VR. Right. Um, augmented reality, virtual reality. And so Mac said, let's do this. I said, all right, let's do this. Uh, we were all on board, and we had, we've had two cohorts. We had, we've had eight people come through total. We've had six people finish successfully. Um, and we've, we're currently going to – we're signing uh, master service agreements with companies to do work for them. Okay. Um, and so hopefully we'll have our first uh, bit of projects that we can hire our students uh, to do work in and get them paid. Excellent. That is fantastic, man. I mean, that's the game changing and life changing there, man, because you're speaking to a population that is sorely needed as far as representation. And um, and looking at AI, that that's the best that's the best route to go was the next level, because there's so many things with web development, you know, that are out there already. But the next level, like you say, AI, AR, VR, that's where it's at. And that's where we're headed. So that's that's great, man. I commend you greatly for that one. Well, um, you know, it's, uh, I appreciate that. Um, and it's just, I mean, that's, you have to do, you have to find a need that burns in your heart, right? Yeah. Even though I'm not a technologist, I'm a fuzzy technologist. I talk about it. I am a mechanical engineer by trade. Um, and, uh, you know, I have an MBA as well, Okay. but I am not, a, I'm not a programmer. Okay. Well, you know, you're so, still in the tech space, so that's, that's still the thing, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I, but I saw the need to to help uh, people of color. I mean, I saw the need to help everybody, but I saw particularly need to help people of color get into the opportunities that they deserve. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of times you look out, you go like uh, one of those larger, you know, Fortune 500 companies that have a ton of developers, and you look out at this sea of developers, it's mostly white guys, right? Yeah. And they vary in how they look. They look kind of ugly. They look, you know, like poor hygiene or whatever, and you can tell. And then, um, and then you look at the white women that are in the programs; they're a little bit more uh, well kept. Um, they speak a little better. And then you look at people of color that are, you know, in the coding um, industry. Amongst their peers at work, they look like they belong on a Gap commercial. Usually, they're yeah. they're, they're good looking, uh, they're well spoken, and like they're supposed to be coding. Yeah, computer, right? And so um, the point is, is that there's a lot of people of color who actually are great computer programmers or just need a little bit to become an amazing computer programmer. And they don't have the skill sets of a great orator, which is, you know, a lot of times that people will just hire people of color that, you know, that can almost walk on water, right? Yeah. As opposed to being really good at, at what you really need. Right. So, 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 and if I'm interpreting it correctly, so it sounds like they're looking for an image-based person versus someone with maybe the necessary skills or something. Like they're looking for the full package as someone who has potential. 
and can really go yeah. far. Yeah. Right. Not just go far, just somebody has a lot of skill sets that actually aren't even, aren't even needed for. For the uh, job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, and, and you have to think, like, it's on a business side. Don't do a thing about on an altruistic side. On the business side, that person that you're shunning because they don't fit that mold um, might have a chance of cancer. Yeah. Right? That person may, on the tech side, they may have they'll develop something so fantastically new that just revolutionizes the tech space. Yeah. You know, you never know what these people are, are capable of until you give them the opportunity. Yeah, and what I find interesting, especially in the local scene here, it's it's some of the things that they look for seem to me to be unrealistic. And in terms of, you know, in terms of like we we're talking about, it, there's there's a lot of people with a lot of potential, and it's like it's like you, it's like you're ignoring a whole sea of people that could do great things. Um, and it's it's unfortunate because there are many people out there who have many great ideas. It's just a matter of them figuring out how to get that to market or finding the right people, maybe the right investor. And, you know, you find a lot of people having to, having to go the route of going it alone, which is just, if if not hard, or just as hard as trying to find a tech job. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's very hard to find a tech job. And it's sad because a lot of these companies need people uh, uh, who are of color and have certain skill sets. Yeah. And so um, we got to figure out a way to, to, uh, to get them, in the door and not get marginalized because yeah. you, you de- you're dealing with an assumption of, of people it's just your, if they're, if they're thinking kind of old school that there is no talent um amongst black people yeah which we right? both know is way far from the truth it's not true at all right right and so you've got to figure out you've got to figure out a way again to to find people that value you and um you know uh, we need to push for each other. I think that this organization called Detroit Black Tech is a secret to a lot of our successes because we want, you know, back in the day before there was a National Society of Black Engineers and they had these wonderful conferences where companies sponsor stuff and yep. great opportunities. Yep. There's an organization called National Technical Association that my dad was a part of. And we um, we went to, um, uh, they, they helped each other out. They helped, they helped, Black folks that were professionals get gigs. They help black folks that were professionals get jobs. Okay. Um, and so they did all this in the technical space, in um, kind of engineering and HVAC and plumbing, as well as architecture and contractors. And they did this because, um, you know, there wasn't a civil rights act that was passed then, right? Right. Uh, they, had to, they had to help each other find projects and jobs. Whereas um, uh, nowadays, there's a bit of legal ease, legal, you know, a mandate in the government to give opportunities to minorities. Well, that wasn't the case a long time ago. Yeah. So my dad, the National Technical Association, was the organization that helped overcome that. Do you think that, in terms of that, which it's hard to gauge because each situation was different, but it seems like when it was a forest bias kind of movement, when people were doing it for themselves, they may have had better leeway because I think the the thing about it is with the government regulations, it then, mm-hmm. then it gets diluted in the terms of its purpose. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, Oh, we gotta, this, we gotta get somebody, let's hire this guy over here. And then, you know, they still, to me, 
better of a chance to be marginalized because oh we got to fill this quota. You know what I'm saying? You're saying you're saying because of the government pushing for equality that a lot of times they just try to grab somebody. Yeah. And, and get them in there, and they do. That's that's tokenism. That's them not caring about those individuals. That's them using those individuals to meet a, uh, a quota. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah. So that's that's why you know the National Technical Association was an amazing thing because they um you know they 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 didn't have to deal with that. They didn't you know like they had it harder and getting people gigs, but they didn't they didn't have. And what happens too? What happened too is uh. You know, when 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 uh, people relied on that, and they relied on these grants and all this stuff, um, they 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 really they really really felt right validation. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like just success or or true validation, you know. Um, and 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 a lot of times, what would happen is people. What still happens is that people think that they're they're the only black person that's good enough. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a carryover from the slave mentality, right? You know, kind of separating us, divide and conquer, right? Um, kind of that Willie Lynch thing, even though the Willie Lynch thing is a myth. Um, the still the processes were were done. It wasn't called it was technically the Willie Lynch. Um, you know, yep. you put old against young, and and uh, and uh, light skin against dark skin, and man against woman. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so so the problem is is that. Our culture was built on enslaving people of African descent, and our culture still is kind of built on that. Yeah, because it's still and a mentality out there that pervades. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it, and if you but if you look at it as a human problem, and not like these are white people and these are black people, uh, if you look at it as a human problem, you can you can you know it it it's um it becomes a bit easier. Right? People all humans always want to feel on top. Yep. And, and the problem, and that's that's just all that's everybody, right? That's when we get insecure, we just want to feel like we're on top. Yep. Right. And uh, it's just you know the structure of our nation and of the of the Western world and of the world for the last you know uh, four or five hundred years was hey, let's just pillage Africa where they got like all these you know amenities and we had to struggle. Yeah. Uh, and let's take let's take their stuff, their land, and their people. And let's break their people down and ship them over to the Americas. Yeah. And so um, that, you know, that's, I mean, that's the that's detailed strategy of what was, what went on. But it still is just, you know, people trying to feel good and secure by, by you know, dumping on others, controlling others, and taking their resources. Yeah, and, and it, so, it, it's unfortunate that that mentality still pervades. And now what we're seeing in modern times with the whole essence of capitalism, it's like that's being used as the tool to keep that pervasive kind of mentality going. Like, okay, I'm richer than you. I'm right. better than you. And I got the resources you don't. So let me look down on you. And, and it's really, you know, it, you know, it's really meant for all, anybody can benefit that's willing to work hard, but it's like, now it's harder because of those same methods and same thought patterns and, and same behaviors. And it's, it's, it's getting tougher, you know? So, um, yeah, so, uh, but, and, and again, but it comes down to, and it's not that, so, so the powers that be aren't really, they don't really care if a person is black or white. What they care about is being able to control. Yeah. And, and, and they, they care about being able to marginalize, uh, the right groups or whatever to, to, to fulfill their, 
their needs. And I'm not talking about individuals. I'm not, I'm not saying all white people are racist. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, middle school politics is how we do things. And, like, the people that are self-proclaimed cool kids want to be over everybody and be in charge and thought of first. Yeah. And so, and that that's kind of what white, white America is right now and has been for a while. Yeah. And you know? what I love about where we live Folks are listening, um, we're here live from Detroit, Michigan. So the thing about the Detroit is that we have such an inclusive space in certain areas that we have people where at certain points it's not about the race, it's about people with like minds and like goals and like spirits. So we have yeah. some of that, and now as, as it's budding, and we'll probably talk about this also later, Aubrey, about the, the scene here. But what we're talking about, folks, here is a class issue an issue that's that's just be, it's beyond race. It's, it's just societal and it's it's eroding. So we're seeing it right before our very eyes. And even though technology is our blessing and it's wonderful and we all use it, it's also helping to cause that divide. And that's why good folks like here, like Aubrey, are trying to build some parameters around that to circumvent that because we have this great space called the tech scene that can create great things. And if all hands are on deck, we could have wonderful inventions every day but but the because of those insecurities and because of those fears we still have it pervading so you know we've got to work on it folks everybody listening let's let's band together and have a little thought process and even though it'll take time and it's different and it takes work but it can be done um and also rb i want to backtrack a little bit because i didn't mention i wanted to ask this earlier how, how did you get started in creating Anti-Gravity Detroit, what inspired you to create it in the first place? Oh, so, you know, I ran the entrepreneurship program at Wayne State for like eight years from 2011 to 2018. Okay. Um, it was Blackstone Launchpad and then Humiliation Warriors. Um, we just, I just wanted to have clients outside the university. Yeah. I wanted people that had a bit more seasoned businesses that could help. Um, and in fact, though, my most favorite clients right now have been the ones that were my former students. So, okay. um, so we wanted to create something uh, that that was somebody a bit more mature. Okay. And um, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Uh, I, you know, I I I I have a desire to really help people get off the ground and and um, help them with sales and help them have sales. Sure. And so. Most startups don't even get that far, right? Half of them fold, right? Um, after they form their, their LLC. So, um, yeah, I really, I want to, I want to help people make money, and I want to help people that have, that have good, um, what do you call it? Um, they have good uh, products and are good people. Sure. So it's all more. Sure. So yeah, so I want to. You talking about like, you know, a good environment and stuff. I want to talk about bamboo, but and uh and and just talk about how great a, an environment that is that's like the best coding spot in in michigan yeah um you know amanda and, and mike that run it i i met uh, i mean i'm i'm i knew all the, the founders back in the day the other two that have left uh brian and and uh and dave yeah 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 you know david's a great guy brian he's a good guy yep and uh and they wanted to continue to grow what they've already started here in Detroit out west, and it didn't happen. <clears throat> but they're and they're all doing their own thing now. But Amanda picked up the ball and ran with it, and she's created a great environment. I know Mike said too; he's no slouch. Uh, 
um, but they, you know, create a great environment for, um, you know, for entrepreneurs, for yep. them to actually work together Absolutely. And, 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 and not see each other's competition and help each other out, work on projects together, make money together. Uh, it's amazing. And I don't, I don't see that anyplace else. But right. Town kind of has it, but it doesn't have the magic that, that, um, that you guys have. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's a wonderful experience to have and, and to be a part of. And I'm glad you're part of it, too, because, you know, we run each other all these different events, man. It's, it's great. I haven't gone to an event yet that it hasn't been a disappointment. It's everything. It's just nice to have a community of support, you know, and that, it, it says a lot. It means a lot, too. That's right. That's right. It does mean a lot because a lot of times you can be, I mean, you can have a bad idea, uh, uh, dare I say it, a bad idea, and then somebody can can help you, you trust and knows your friend, can help you, um, you know, pivot your idea, yeah. do better, right? And yep. So you need that. Oh yeah, yeah, we definitely need it. And the nice thing is that we all pull together for the most part, which makes it magical, right. like you say. So let me ask you this, Arby, what inspires you to do what you do? I mean, what is it that that drives you to say, "Hey, I gotta people." You know, okay. I want to help people, man. I was fortunate to see my dad. Harvey on the street. I was fortunate to see my mom be a social worker and help people. And it's just always, I always love helping people uh, figure out what they want to do and what they want to be. And I love helping them even more so taking the first steps. Okay. So that's, that's it. Yeah, that's that's great. So let's, let's also change a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about Detroit Black Tech. What is Detroit Black Tech? Detroit Black Tech is like an unofficial organization. Um, I don't remember who started, but I know Matt kind of helped infuse some uh, some activity into it about a year ago. Um, what we do is we get together and we we have programs where people can work on their projects called Hacking with the Homies. Um, we have uh, um, we have a photo shoot so everyone can get their, their own their headshot and a, and a picture with it with uh, with each other. Uh, uh, you know, showing off uh, founders and and uh, technologists, founders of startups. Um, it's a great organization that we can all we all use to utilize resources, which is our best resources which is each other. Um, we're gonna be do. I know I'm working with four or five other people to do a, a program where we're gonna expose and train uh, 1,500 uh, youth from the city of Detroit and technology. I'm gonna pull on Detroit Black Tech. Right. Okay. I know that Microsoft's going to have big programming to help, and they, they had the big programming, and I was invited to one of them to help encourage youth in uh, in technology from the city of Detroit, and they invited me and a bunch of other folks to Detroit Black Tech. Right. It's really just a great resource network of like close to 500 people that are, are black and in technology, and we just help each other out where we can. Now, as time goes on, it'll become a bigger, more official. Uh, pro um, organization, there'll be there'll be uh, there'll be leaders, um, you know, uh, officers and all that, and probably dues paid or whatever. But that's okay because I think the organization is going to evolve and do much much bigger things. Oh yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, and and it shows another testimony of how we all pull together, and and it's it's amazing to see how DBT has pulled together so fast with so many members. Man, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's kind of huge, fast. Yeah, yeah, and and it's yeah. wonderful, folks, because Detroit Black Tech is an organization. We're not officially an organization, but it has the look and feel of it because people do work on projects together, like Aubrey said, collaborate, get together, and, and it's just wonderful to be in that space because that support we have here 
is none like no other. So it's it's another feather to Aubrey's cap here. Uh, like I told, like I said, this is this is the all around guy right here. We're talking to folks, so listen closely as we go along. And the other thing, Aubrey, I was going to ask you: Have you always seen yourself as a doer and leader, entrepreneur? I mean, were you looking to get a job when you were younger, or you just did you just fall into being an entrepreneur? How did that go? About? Oh, okay. So so you know, my dad had his architecture firm right next door to our house. Okay. And uh, so starting in kindergarten, I had to come home and then report directly to his office. Okay. And I had to, I had to pick out the garbage or every draftsman and start with their pencils and clean off their desks. Wow. Clean off the draft boards. So that dude had me involved in his small business from age five. And I evolved and eventually did like four times the elevations that were used to help okay. construct buildings at age nine. Wow. Um, and so... I love taking care of everything, a little bit here and there. And when he had passed, I still was a part of the uh, organization, and I helped, you know, them do their networking and their um, so what else. Okay. And so when I went, when I graduated from uh, Wayne State with an engineering degree, I did that because I didn't want to become an architect because I feel like all the stuff we did at my dad's firm, in my mind, was boring. Uh, it was it was line and you know last line to line was elevations I would like. And so I got an engineering degree and I, um, I went to work for Corporate America because I had gotten married and my ex had a, a kid because into dad. So I, I had a stable job, but I hated it. I knew I hated it because I had an internship at the gym. Yeah. Uh, it just was too slow. It was too, they weren't into innovation at all. Right. And there's just politics. And I hated that. Yeah. So, so I, um, I stayed around as long as I could because I needed to make money to feed the family. But um, I uh, started my own company uh, towards the end of my state tenure at uh, General Motors. It was only for, uh, it was at, the, at 2007, 2008, as a vibration energy harvest device that creates electricity off of vibration. So we wanted to replace the battery and the tire pressure monitor sensor yeah. with this device. And then, you know, and we, we had road test data from like my old boss. We had all this stuff legit. Um, we had uh, so much information that uh, we were able to run simulations and see that this actually works. And so the product actually worked and we validated it, but we still didn't sell. Mm. So we failed. Okay. And I left, I left Wings, I left sorry, General Motors prior to going full throttle. Um, but, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I realized I had entrepreneurship in my blood. Yeah. You know, growing up and then doing it again in my my mid thirties, um, and then Wayne State asked me to help run their entrepreneurship program. And I think it only just lasted for three years, but it lasted for eight. Yeah. And so I love that. I love helping people figure out how to go after something. So, would you say that your work with Wayne State University? Uh, in co- contrast to GM, was more fulfilling for you and, and worked more along with your values and things like that? Yeah, yeah, but definitely. Way more fulfilling, right? Helping people out, helping with their business and figuring things out was amazing. Yeah. As a General Motors, I was just, I was making, um, uh, you know, I was designing uh, doors. And, the, and although I made the door, I made like the Impala 2015 Impala Safer, I made a bunch of other vehicles and doors and stuff. And I, and I, I put, the right content in there and everything worked and it was 
safe and it was easy to manufacture. Um, and you know, some doors look really good, some don't. Um, I love making so you know, being at GM was a blessing that I learned how to product develop. Although I can't, I learned design from architect being an architecture firm, I knew that I knew about entrepreneurship from that. But being at GM, I learned how to design, take some idea and turn it into something that's on the assembly line. And it's wonderful that you were able to get that product to market, man. And really, because yeah. of the work, that work you did there, you're helping p- people save lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not just that, not just save lives, but, you know, I actually I actually did the work to make something happen. And, and in some cases, actually, I had to work around my boss, and that's probably why I wasn't so successful politically there, uh, yeah. to get in more safety features. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a great experience, great lesson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what advice would you give someone thinking about teetering into entrepreneurship or something owning their own business? So I would say this. Don't quit your day job right away. Um, think about what you really love doing, what's, what's easy to you. And um, start small, but start. And, and be ready to fail and be ready to, or be ready to scale up. You want, you, you, you want to do what fulfills you. Let your job, if it's not what you want it to be, let that motivate you. Yeah. Right. So let let that let let the let the haters motivate you, because there's gonna be a ton of them. You guys used to to recognize them. Yeah. Would you say that people need to, to kind of adjust their mentality? Because it's hard emotionally with that. You know, if you're on a job, you're doing great, and people hate on you. You know, is is it something that people can do to get past that? Oh, uh, to get past their their fear or fear or what? No. There's, would it would it like for people that want to do a good job and they want to be accepted by their peers and they're not getting that love? What what would you say to them to get past all of that to deal because you got to deal with it. So what would you say would be some advice to, you know, kind of look past it and keep your dreams alive? Oh, when you run into like challenges or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so you always got to figure out a way. Like you have to continue to work on your dreams because you're gonna feel hollow inside. Now don't I mean you try not to sacrifice too much. But you are going to sacrifice a lot at some time, and you are going to have to step out on faith. But you want to work on things that you love, so it's not going to seem like work. And you just want to be put on the business side of the entrepreneur hat and say, "Does this make sense accounting-wise? Does it make sense logistic-wise?" Right. 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 So listen up, folks. Great nuggets of advice because it's not easy to step out there like that. It's a big risk you take. It's a, whenever you take it. But at least that makes it easier when you pre-plan it as much as you can because you never know what the winds will blow. Um, and speaking in terms of entrepreneurship, what's your take on both the Detroit tech and Detroit entrepreneurship scenes as we're seeing them now? So I think there's a lot of talented people there, especially of color. Um, I think, um, you know, I know this, that Southeast Michigan is very risk-averse, and they don't really invest in companies that a whole lot like they can because I think Bloomfield Hills is the second richest um, suburb in the in the country. Yeah, and we but the, but old money does not invest in in new ideas, really at all. Um, and so Detroit, like tech, with its founders and people that own their own companies, they don't what's the name? Um, they don't get the recognition that they deserve. Yeah. So, but we, but we got to work on that. So as 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 a collective, as Detroit Black Tech. We can actually do that. We can help promote each other. We can help each other get projects and jobs. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's so we got to do that. We got to promote each other. Got to start start encouraging each other. We got to start paying each other. We help each other out too, not just not letting our hookups. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a big that's a big key right there. Circulation of that dollar because, I mean, I don't think anybody should work for free. Myself personally, I think that it should be some type of compensation exchange because you know. You have a group yep. of people that have so many different skills and talents that their, their dollar can circulate much more rapidly, you know? Yep. Yep. That's true. That is true. Now, and in terms of like, um, let's say that people from other areas, like maybe there maybe uh, people from other cities that are thinking about coming to Detroit. What what do you see that some of the strengths of people locating here and setting up shop here? Oh, in Detroit? Yeah. So Detroit still is um, one of the cities that's not as expensive to live in. Um, that's a one as a plus, but also like with bamboo, bamboo is kind of the heart of what's great about Detroit yeah. is that it's diverse cross section of people and industries and everyone coming together. So in Detroit, we're still in the golden age of entrepreneurship. I'd say the second golden age, first golden age of entrepreneurship was when the automobile was invented and we had all these like hundreds of companies would pop up. People would build cars out of the garages. Yeah. And then, you know, so um, that ended when General Motors was founded in 1908. Um, they bought up like 120 companies and they won. Right. Anyways, um, we're still in the golden age of entrepreneurship here. And so we were all looking for uh, a mega hit to come happen. And we've seen a couple. We've seen it in um, in uh, Duo Security. Yep. Right? Uh, that's a kind of a local guy who's really cool. Uh, um yep. And then there, we've seen it in StockX. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, it's it's it's, it's you know the um, uh, family is part of the um, Quicken Loans family of companies, and so the, you know they have lots of resources. Oh yeah. Um, but we're, we we want to see you know like Bamboo is always trying to help all summers out to be successful. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that's what's that's what's so appealing because they come on in. It's small. It's as small as uh, big town in the country or the biggest small town in the country. Uh, and that's how we treat each other to respect. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of networking you can, can connect to here. Oh, yeah. And then listeners out there, if you're thinking about relocating to Detroit, we welcome you with open arms. We're inclusive for the most part. You know, it'll be some adjusting because we're kind of laid back, but fast paced at the same time. So we're not like other bigger areas like Chicago, New York, L.A., which go 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 all the time, but we get yeah. in there. We wrap. We're picking up speed, and we have a lot of great people, a lot of great ideas, a lot of people doing great things here. So yeah, we definitely encourage you to come here. Um, and then Arby, the th- other thing too is, let's say there's somebody who's here and may not be as familiar with the scene like you and I are. What would you say to them in terms of encouraging them to get involved? Oh, to get involved? Oh yeah. I, 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 yeah. So good 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 thing to start is 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 follow Bamboo on Facebook. I mean, there's a ton of content that come is uh, there all the time. Uh, if you're black and you're in technology, join the Slack channel on Detroit Black Tech. Uh, there are a ton of organizations that you can be a part of uh, that would help, you know, help guide you and, and introduce you. There's Food Lab Detroit, which is a part of, uh, is a part of the, um, you know, it's a part of the food ecosystem here in Detroit. And then there's, uh, I mean, there's there's a plethora of or, uh, like foundations that are trying to help build the ecosystem. So like tonight, NEI has um, like a storyteller uh, event for entrepreneurs, like five storytellers 
their entrepreneurs getting up and talking about um, what they're uh, what what uh, what they've gone through. Yeah, and, and how they've made it and what the hard times have been, and and uh, you know the success as well. Yeah, so. yeah, cool. So so we're about to wrap it up, folks. But before we go, Arby, let's get your contact information right quick. Um, so the best way to get a hold of me is to go to our site uh, and sign up. Go to uh, antigravitydetroit.com. Uh, we do have a, a sign-up sheet on there. Uh, you also can email me, Aubrey, A-U-B-R-E-Y, at antigravitydetroit.com. Oh, you can also hit me up on social media, too. Uh, Antigravity Detroit is also on Facebook. We have a page there and Instagram. So any of those ways is, is, is fine, and we, we're looking for people. Whatever good people that have good products and are coachable uh, and want to grow. That's what we're looking for. Well, Mr. Aubrey A.G., thank you so much, man, for being on the Doers Network, man. Appreciate you, man. Great information. And for those of you listening, please contact Aubrey as soon as you can. Thank you, man, so much. Donald, hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing out here, too. Uh, No problem, man. No problem at all. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Network, where actives grow and thrive. You've just been listening to our interview with Mr. Aubrey A.G., founder of Anti-Gravity Detroit. For more information, you can go to the website, antigravitydetroit.com. Again, that's A-N-T-I-G-R-A-V-I-T-Y-D-E-T-R-O-I-T.com. Anti-Gravity Detroit is also on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to contact Aubrey directly, you can email him at aubrey at antigravitydetroit.com. So please contact Aubrey today. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. If you would like to support our podcast, you can become a sponsor of the Doers Network. We have gold, silver, and bronze packages available. If you have a business you would like to promote, you'll be able to reach over 10,000 listeners around the world each month at your fingertips. So if you want to reach our audience of founders, CEOs, innovators, and leaders, become a sponsor today. For more information, email us at info at bamboodetroit.com. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. podcast where actives grow and thrive the doers podcast is produced by bamboo detroit network for more information visit us at bamboo